everybody, Chris Harry with you on the Backstage Chargers podcast presented by Toyota. A bit later, quarterback Michael Davis stops by. We'll discuss the comeback win in Kansas City and preparing for the Baltimore Ravens. But first, a wide-ranging conversation with General Manager Tom Telesco. All right, please be joined by General Manager Tom Telesco here at the Hook Performance Center. And Tom, in this league, it's always eyes forward, right? We got the Ravens on Saturday. But just indulge me for, for a minute. Last Thursday, there's 8.15 remaining in the game. The Chargers are down two scores. What are the emotions of Tom Telesco during that time period? <laughs> well, you're right. We're supposed to look forward and not look back. But since this is backstage Chargers, I'll have to answer the question. <laughs> just but, for the listeners, just for 10 minutes, right? Yeah. No, I mean, the way this season has been... Um, you just feel like you're never out of it. And um, that's the way that game was. I mean, it was, uh, I think the great thing about it, it was such a great atmosphere to play in. Um, the crowd noise with mm. the weather, um, it felt like a playoff game, you it know, really for a did. regular season game and playing a great football team. Um, and coach really preached all week. Um, he preached three things, but the first thing and the, and the biggest thing was we have to win the fourth quarter. Um, so we got to the fourth quarter, still down two scores, but still in it. And uh, the guys kept battling. And, um, you know, we got the score, we got the stop, and we got the score again, and then the two-point conversion. Um, but guys, they just don't quit. And it's easy to say, hey, we don't quit, but the guys really believe in that. And they believe in the head coach. The coach believes in them. And that, if you don't have that ingredient, you don't have anything. There's so many plays that you can point to. I mean, Travis Benjamin coming up in a big spot on a first to 20, a fourth and eight. Of course, Mike, in the game that he had, the defense had that big stop just to get the ball back. Right. Uh the biggest play, though, was going for two. What did you think of the head coach's decision to just go for the win? I mean, obviously, in hindsight, it's easy to say it's a great call. <laughs> but really, even at the time, it just felt like it was the right call. Win or lose, um, that game, that situation, the fact that you preach all week that we got to win the fourth quarter. Um, wasn't like Anthony was preaching, we got to win overtime. we got to win the fourth quarter. Uh, so in that situation, um, like he said, it was, it was a no-brainer for him uh, to go for it. Um, Plus, if you have a good feel for what your two-point play is going to be, and they had confidence in it, um, obviously, um, it was big. But, yeah, there were so many other big plays leading up that to, to get us there. Like you said, you, you mentioned Travis getting in, playing a spot um, in the offense. He doesn't play very often in that slot. He doesn't even run that route very often. That after the game. Yeah, from, from that position, that, that, that alignment doesn't run it that often. And um, the offensive line really buckling down. I mean, that's a really good – Kansas City has a great defensive front, both defensive tackles and the defensive ends, really buckling down that drive and, and giving Phillips some time. Um, Justin Jackson did a great job in pass protection. So a lot of guys have stepped up, and that's not to mention the defense getting the, the three and out. Um, it all has to work in concert and um, to, to finish it off. But, yeah, the, the two-point conversion, uh, uh, such, a, such a big play for us. There's such a belief among the, the team, and, and obviously it starts with the head coach. And uh, I saw this stat Peter King put in his Monday morning column. The last 21 games, no one has more wins than Coach Lynn. Um, since that 0-4 start, he's 20-6. and They're 7-0. and Went to get on an airplane this year. And then just dating back to last year, you've won 9 of 11 at Rocket Field at StubHub Center. Uh, what can you say about the job that Coach Lynn has done in, in his first two years and, and just the way that this team is rolling right now? Well, like I said, I think the players believe in him. He believes in the players, and that's a great, you know, great recipe to have. Um, 
But I think what he does, you know, win or lose, he's able to flush that last week out and get on to the next week and not let anything carry over, win or lose. And that's not an easy thing to do, um, especially in a world of social media and everything that's out there of reading, whether it's reading good or reading bad. You know, the players sometimes, um, they probably read too much and hear too much. So you got to have a head coach that can handle that. And he does. You know, we flush out the last week, move on to the next. Not too much phases him, um, good or bad. And, you know, he gets the guys dialed in every week. Um, it is extremely, extremely hard to win in this league. It's hard to win, it's hard to win consecutive games. It's hard when we started off last year and we started 0-4 to try and to snap out of that. Uh, but he's got a great feel for the players. Um, he has a great plan in place. And, uh, and him and the staff do a great job each week of getting the players in the right spots mm. and, uh, you know, motivating them each week and, and uh, you know, try and put them in spots where they can succeed. And they've done a great job of that. Tom, if you could take me back to a couple of Januarys ago during that hiring process, uh, what caught your eye with Coach Lynn in the first place before you even interviewed him? Well, I guess when we were going through the interview process, and every every head coaching opening is going to be a little bit different um, based on your situation at that time, what you're looking for, and you know we put together our criteria of what we were looking for in our head coach, and and our criteria may be different than another team's criteria at that point, but you got to put down three or four things. Hey, this is what we need. And um, now at the time when we hired Anthony, you know we had not relocated yet, um, but we knew at that point, yeah, there's a possibility the team could re- could relocate. Sure. Um, there's also a possibility that we're in San Diego and and. You know, if there's no long-term stadium situation, then you kind of feel like you're that year-to-year. Uh, so that's a tough dynamic for a head coach to be in. He's going to have to handle whatever whatever happens. He's going to have to handle some It's an things. added layer. It, it certainly is. Um, so we had that going, and then we had the other part of it is this is a football team, and, and I I told this to the team after the final game in 2016 was I just – we just didn't – we didn't handle adversity real well as a football team. Um, we didn't show that resolve. Uh, that we need we needed to and and so as we're looking through you know we really needed a leader as as a head coach um so that was the number one criteria that that we were looking for he had to be a leader it didn't matter background wise didn't matter offense defense or special teams it didn't matter if the if he had previous head coaching experience in the league didn't matter if he's a coordinator if he called plays college head coach it didn't matter we just really needed a leader number one now we had some other criteria too um and then as we did our research, the people we talked to about Anthony, almost invariably the first thing someone would say is they start off with leadership and presence. That was always the first thing they talked about. Yeah. So then when he comes in for the interview, myself, I'm in there, Dean Spanos, John Spanos, Ed McGuire, I'd say within a couple minutes, you knew right then, you know, he has a presence and, a, and leadership ability. Wow. You, you could just feel it. So there's a moment in the interview where you're just like, all right, that you could, this, you could just, the guy. hey, I'm going to check off this box. We're going to move on to everything else. Now, again, it's an interview. You don't really know 100% until you work with somebody. Um, but from the people we talk to and the people you trust and then sitting down with them, you, you could feel that leadership presence. And that was our number one thing we're looking for when we knew we had that. He spent 17 years as an assistant, and he, he has such a unique coaching background, right? Because Bill Walsh identified him as an NFL coach. Mike Shanahan gave him his first job. Uh, Bill Parcells, he has so many different influences. Uh, you know, Rex Ryan. Um, in addition to those influences, you have to have unique characteristics. You have to be your own guy. You have to be authentic. And I think what strikes you most about Coach Lynn is just his authenticity, his leadership, and his ability to really – 
resonate with not just the guys in the locker room, but just all functions of this organization? Yeah, I think all those traits he has that got him to where he was as a player, um, all those things you just mentioned, he has. And then I'm a big believer that we're all a product of our environment. So he, he plays for Bill Walsh. Uh, he plays for Mike Shanahan. He coaches uh, with, with, under Bill Parcells. Um, that's pretty good right there. Rex Ryan, you know, a whole different cross-section of coaches that he had a chance to learn and develop from. Um, and then you add in, obviously, his, his talent and his intangibles. Um, that's a pretty good mix um, as far as becoming a head coach in this league. And it's just not the coaching. It's also the depth and credit to your staff. I mean, you look at this roster right now, man. We're talking about guys like Isaac Rochelle, Sam Tevy, Desmond King, Austin Eckler. The ability for some of these young guys to step in and play a big role in this football team. And I think the biggest example is we talk about Melvin Gordon not being in the game for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs and having guys like Austin, Justin, and Detrez step up. Yeah, it's, it's really it's a credit to the scouting staff, and it's a credit to the coaching staff. The scouting staff identifying players that they can come in and help us, and the coaching staff um, developing those players and getting ready to play early on, um, like a lot of those young guys you just mentioned did. And um, you know, just this year specifically watching what Justin Jackson went through, the ups and downs of being a professional player. He's drafted. He's all excited about it. Comes into training. He comes into OTAs. Has a great OTAs for us. Um, gets into training camp. Um, gets hurt. Misses a lot of time. We never get a chance to really see him in the preseason until the last preseason game. You know, we cut him at the cut to 53. He's disappointed about it. Okay, we put him on the practice squad. We tell him, hey, look, get on the practice squad, earn your way back up. He comes into practice and busts his butt every day to try and earn his way back to the 53-man roster. He earns his way back on the roster, but doesn't dress immediately. You know, he's, he's an inactive player. Then he dresses, plays special teams. Did a great job on special teams. And then a couple of running backs get hurt. And all of a sudden, he's playing on Sunday Night Football against the Pittsburgh Steelers and having a great game for us. He was ready for that, that opportunity, um, and he was able to handle it. We talk about handling adversity, the ups and downs of being a, of being a professional athlete. That was it right there. Um, and we have a lot of guys that, that fit that description, too, that kind of handle the ups and downs of that and having that mental toughness that you have to have in this league. It's, it's, uh, it's just hard to win. It's a, hard, it's, 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 it's a difficult league. It's very competitive, and um, everybody's talented. But you got to find out where that edge is, and sometimes that edge is more intangible than tangible. And it's really, Tom, it's about team because, listen, just generally speaking, you, you listen to the media, it's like, oh, this team is carried by X quarterback or an X explosive offense or X explosive defense. You can go point game by game. Michael Badgley was a big reason why you won the Cincinnati game. Adrian Phillips with that tip. Uh, Desmond King in Cleveland and uh, Seattle. I mean, there's been a, a different guy on a different phase of the team that has really propelled you guys to 11-3 and at this point. Yeah, I think all of our guys have that feeling that they don't want to let the next guy down. and The selflessness. The selflessness, at, yeah. yep. And you see it every week when one of our guys makes a play, everybody else is excited for that player. They all celebrate together. Very rarely do we have a guy step alone on, 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 you know, on his own to celebrate by himself. Um, the guys really love each other, and they love it when one of their teammates makes a play, and they all celebrate together, and that's, that's what you have to have. Two more for me, Tom. I had the pleasure of talking to Tony Dungy a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about the job that you've done with the Chargers and just the, the blueprint and even going back to his time in Indianapolis where he had uh, Mathis and Freeney and an elite quarterback, and he said, you know, Tom knows that, you know, 
You got to have those edge rushers. You got to have guys that can fly around on defense, uh, get the weapons for the elite franchise quarterback. Uh, how much have your influences back in Indy translated to, to everything that you've done here for the Chargers? Well, we touched on it before. I, you're a product of your environment. I learned a lot with Indianapolis as Bill Pulling as GM, Tony Dungy as head coach, and then Jim Caldwell as head coach. And uh, I saw how we built things there, and I saw that it worked. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the sharpest guy in the world. To, so I know, hey, look, this worked, and I think we're going to probably literally copy a lot of it. Um, yes, I mean, myself and our staff here, we have some differences. I shouldn't say differences, but we do some things differently than we did in Indy, sure. which is natural. You know, it, you know, my personality is different, and Anthony's personality is different than Tony's, and philosophies are sometimes different. Um, but, you know, I saw what works, and um, – Sometimes it's not just how you build a team as far as specific positions, but what, what you're looking for in people and looking for in players and looking for in coaches. And uh, Tony was excellent at that. Bill was excellent at that. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a formula that we think can win in this league, you know, but there's also more than one. Um, but, uh, you know, when you look at it right now, we've really only accomplished one goal. That's to make the playoffs. We haven't, we haven't won the division yet. We haven't even won a playoff game yet. So in the end, you know, it's been a, a good season so far we have but we haven't really accomplished everything that we need to yet so um but look i'm 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 proud of the guys that are here and um yeah like i said i learned a lot in indy and and there's you know there's no doubt you're going to carry some of that along with you certainly much to be written the team announced that hunter returned to practice this week and if you could for our listeners explain that 21 day practice window and, and then what needs to be decided during that time frame so, yeah, Hunter was on physically unable to perform. Uh, so there gets to a certain point where if you feel like he may be able to play um, this year, and I guess he fits that, that maybe category, uh, the league will give you 21 days uh, where that player can practice with you but not count against the 53-man active roster. Tom, is it days or practice days? It's days. Days, okay. Yeah, strictly days. You get 21 days. And, and Hunter had gotten to the point of his rehab where he had now was about, more about some more football-specific work. Uh, so, you know, we started this week, just some individual work on the field with, with the player and he's, he's working with the team, just, but just individual. He's not like he's an 11 on 11 right now sure. on the field. So we started that this week. We'll progress a little bit more next week. Um, but it really gives us, you know, in his case, probably a full 21 days before we decide, um, you know, will he play this year or will he not? Um, but this, he'll, he'll need this three weeks to kind of see how he feels, um, if, if we go through, you know, 14, 16, 18 days and we just feel like it's probably not not ready yet, then we'll just shut him down for the year. Um, and if it gets to the point where everybody feels pretty good, we'll kind of see where we are then. Um, but at least he gets a chance to put a helmet on. And yeah. as I told him yesterday, I said, your jersey looks brand new right now. There's not a speck of dirt on it. It's all, <laughs> you know, pressed really nice. It hasn't been worn at all this year. Um, but it gives him a chance to be out there with his teammates and uh, and practicing and, and just he's still um, still working through. Yeah. But you know it's better than the alternative of him being out for the year. Yeah. It, so we'll, we'll kind of see where it takes us from there. It's great because you're out there with the guys and regardless of what happens, the way he's attacked this rehab process from from the injury in May to now has been extraordinary. Yeah, I, I can't underestimate how much work he's put into it um, to get back from this injury this fast, um, and a lot of it's just dedication, hard work. Um, it's hard during the season to be rehabbing an injury on your own, knowing you're not playing that week, and then seeing you know see your teammates having fun, and, and you want to be a part of that. You know, if we lose a game, he wants to be out there to help us win. If we win a game, he wants to be part of that celebration. And um, you know, you're kind of off on the side doing your own work, 
Um, it's mentally as tough as it is physical. And uh, he did a tremendous job from attacking it from, from day one to put him in this position right now. And like I said, hey, it's, it's, it's a good alternative that he may have a chance to play this year. And if not, um, he'll be in great shape for 2019. That's great. Well, hey, this team has business to tend to Saturday against the Ravens. Tom, always gracious with your time. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, quick break here on the Backstage Chargers podcast presented by Toyota. I want to tell you about a rare chance for you and a guest to join the Chargers on the field before kickoff. You get two tickets to a game and a special VIP meet and greet with Matt Money Smith and Daniel Jeremiah. Enter for the chance to win the Backstage Chargers prize pack by going to chargers.com slash win for rules and details. No purchase necessary. It's open to Southern California area residents 18 and over. This ends January 10th, 2019. Again, go to chargers.com slash win for rules and details. All right, as we roll on here on the Backstage Chargers podcast presented by Toyota, very pleased to be joined by cornerback Mike Davis. Mike, how are you, man? Well, how are you? I'm doing I'm doing very well. Is that mic working for you? Is it on? Yeah. Give me a mic check. Yo, yo. We're going to keep this in, too. This is, this is just part of the deal, right? <laughs> so this is the first time we're actually we're taping this on video. Mm-hmm. We're also doing this as a regular podcast that's going to come out on Tuesday. So you're our first guest here oh, on the video, man. So ha- we're happy to have you. <laughs> first, is it, is it Mike, Mikey, Michael? What do you want the fans to call you? You can call me Mikey. I go Mikey? Mikey? Yeah, I go with Mikey a lot. All right. Yeah, a lot of people call me Mikey. Oh, you can call me Vato if you want. What is it? What is it, Vato? Vato is like a little nickname. Yeah? Uh, yeah. That's, is that your nickname? Yeah. Where'd you get that nickname? From Jalil. Got it from Jalil. Jalil did, huh? Yeah, Jalil guy gave me that nickname. <laughs> well, listen, man. <laughs> I know it's it's Ravens week, but we got to look back Thursday. Mm-hmm. Come from behind, on the road, short week, Kansas City Chiefs, lost nine straight. Just describe the feeling beating that team 29-28 on Thursday. Uh, I know for one, for me, it was a, was a huge feeling because I know we, we, we haven't been able to beat them for the past nine times. Um and but I just don't for me it was a big thing beating them but yeah. I guess like it resonates more with all the people like Jalil who've been in for a longer time who haven't been able to beat them 2013 yeah so um, I guess for them it's a little more impact for them but for me I was just excited just to be doing a big game to go into their house and no doubt yeah so so take me through this there's like eight minutes left in the game you guys are down two scores Off Justin Jackson gets a touchdown mm-hmm. then it's up to the defense right stop him yeah big stop <clears throat> what was it like on the field during that stop I guess everybody was like, you know what I mean? We got to pull for each other, just play. And I think that's the only, I think that's what Jalil said. Jalil and JB were like, you know what I mean? Just go out there and just have fun, play. And we had fun and played. And it's not, it's nothing new to you guys. I mean, the eleven days before, you're in the same position of yeah, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sucks to be in that position, but you know that we just know that as defense, we know that it's up to us to win the game. I mean, you win games, you win championships with defense. Yeah, and, and there's defense wins championships. Defense wins championships, yeah. no doubt. And, and it's it's the confidence on both sides of the football. Right, right, right. What was it like in your head when you knew the coach was going to go for two and the offense was just going to try to win it there? Uh, I was like, of course. Uh, like, Going back to the, have you guys seen longest yard? Oh yeah. <laughs> when, they're, when they're going for two at the end, and they were like, man, we're like we're all convicts here, so we go for it all. And that's what I told Dez. I told Dez. I told Dez the same thing. I said, like, "We might as well go for two here." Yeah, we've been going for two for the past couple of weeks, and we've been pretty good at it. The D has has stepped up over the past several weeks, and there seems to be a different hero on defense each and every week. And we go back to London, Adrian, that tip right. Mm-hmm. Dez has had some unbelievable plays in Cleveland and, and Seattle, and I'm checking the stats on Friday and Pro Football Focus. They give out their grades. They say you were the highest-graded defense player on the Chargers Thursday night. Patrick Mahomes had a 60.4 passer rating thrown to your side. 
and you only surrendered minus one yard after the catch. I, I know that this is a, a team game, mm-hmm. but it was your seventh career start. How much comfortable do you feel now than you did your first career start? Uh, I feel pretty much comfortable. I feel really comfortable now. Well, I'm still getting more and more comfortable as I go along, but uh, just my teammates, though. I think my teammates are able to back me up, able to help me with the plays, able to help me with film. Like AP helps me with film work, so does JB, uh, linebacker. Um, it's just those people having that camaraderie, just, able, just for them able to help me out. Yeah. It allows me to have, feel more comfortable on the field. From, from year one to year two, yeah. I mean, to have leaders like that, Jaleel and AP in the secondary, mm-hmm. man, that, that has to help any young player's development. Oh, it does, it does. Um, it helps, it helps DJ. And Jaleel's been working with DJ a lot. I mean, DJ's been shining. So yeah. I'll be calling this from classroom onto the field. Yeah, it's like a perfect blend yeah. of, of veteran and young players that, that make this thing go. And, you know, my, everybody has a story, right? right, right. You grew up. Glendale, yeah. you played your, your football here about Glendale. 25 miles from, from StubHub Center. Uh, you played at BYU. You started 30 games there. Take me through that football journey from high school to about to be selected to, or actually signed by the Chargers, I should say. <clears throat> it's uh, actually a tough story. Um, it was really a roller coaster. I guess coming out of high school, uh, junior, I had a, had a fantastic year my junior I used to play receiver. I don't know if anybody knows that, but first to, first team ball conference receiver, yeah, right? Yeah. I played receiver up until uh, up until college. Like I didn't really start as a DB until my junior year in college. But um, I uh, had a few offers my junior year, and then my senior year rolled around. Didn't do so well my my senior year. My quarterback left. He graduated. Uh, my yards went all the way down to I think about four something four hundred yards. Mm. And but all these offers, like I had offers from USC, UCLA, all went away because um, they because they, they don't like the inconsistency. Um, and then, but I always still had that one BYU in, in my back pocket. And I also had a friend, a uh, family friend also, was the AD there as well. And I was, BYU was close to home, yeah. close to my mom. So then after high school, uh, graduated, went on to sign on with the Cougars. Um, started my sophomore year on. And then my freshman and sophomore year, I, was, I kept rotating back and forth from receiver to defense because our corners kept going down yeah. in the fall camp. So I played the freshman year. My season, I went up to play DB. Then going back to spring ball, sophomore year, went back to receiver. Then fall camp, went back to DB again. And then after my sophomore year, I had a meeting with my coach with my Bronco, Bronco Menahal, and I was like, I mean, like this is, I can't keep going back and forth. Yeah, pick to, a side, right? I'm trying to reach my goals in the NFL. Um, and he was like, you know what? Like I think it's better for you to stay as a corner. The NFL needs bigger, faster, and taller corners. I mean, I took a shot over there. I took a chance. I mean, yeah. I believed him, and I was like, you know what? I've Take a chance, Menahal. And I stayed on the corner and then did pretty well my junior year. Senior rolled around again, had some few things. I don't know if you guys know I have a son, a little boy in Atticus. So I was going through that whole problem with the whole process, the whole pregnancy process that I was I lost my focus in my senior year. Uh, I wasn't playing so well. I actually got benched my second half of my senior season. Mm. Um so I thought after that, I thought just all my hopes of my dream playing NFL was 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 gone. Yeah. Um, and then my final shot was pro day. I mean, after the season, I walked my house. I was like, I mean, like, I got to give it one, one last shot. So take me through that process of, you know, a lot of people get invited to the combine. Mm-hmm. You didn't get the invite to the combine. Didn't get invite to the combine. But you were able to participate in the pro days. What pro day did you participate? It was BYU's? Yeah, yeah, BYU's pro day, yeah. Okay. Um, so when did the Chargers get on your radar? Uh, through my agent, Carter Chow. He had comments like, you know, Michael, like, the Chargers are, have a little bit of injuries here and there in the corner spot, so it might be a good spot for you. And they have a lot of undrafted free agents 
actually had some success in the Chargers defense. Mm. I was like, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, well, he didn't say I dropped it yet, but um, and then the draft comes. I was getting phone calls from different teams saying, yeah, you might be top three, top four rounds. Just, I mean, obviously, I was stoked. It was like, oh, shit, I yeah, yeah. that's in year, but I'm stuck to get drafted. But in the back of my mind, I always knew that it might be even lower than that. And then draft day comes. Oh, pro day game, and then um, ball pro day, and then uh, the Chargers didn't talk to me in pro day. The they Jets, didn't. The Jets and the Patriots talked to me after probably my pro day. Okay, because those, those were only two teams that talked about my pro day. And so then, in the back of your mind, were you thinking, all right, maybe Jets, Patriots, and a draft like late yeah, round, yeah, yeah, fifth, sixth round, something yeah. like that. And then when the draft came, that's when I started getting calls from Jacksonville and a little bit from the Chargers, and then my agent as well. And Major's like, you know, Michael, like, hopefully we get you. He's being real with me. He's like, hopefully you get sixth, seventh round. Yeah. You know I mean, but I was mad. I was like, nah, like, screw that. Like, I'm getting drafted. Like, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, it's a dream. This is, yeah. a, this is a goal that you yeah, probably exactly. have thought about your entire life. Yeah. And then um, the draft ended and my name wasn't called. And then an hour went by and I was here walking around Hollywood with my mom, just mm. stressed out of my mind. And then finally got the call from my agent. He's like, you know what, I could talk to the Chargers. I think the Chargers is the best bet for you, but it's a good place for you. Have a talk with your mom about it and see what you think. Chat with my mom, and then uh, I got a phone call from the Chargers as well. I forgot who called me, but... And I looked at my mom, I was like, Ma, like, I think things may be the place. I mean, I get to play in my backyard as well. And the, the stars kind of align yeah, a little bit because exactly. it's okay. I didn't get drafted. Silver lining, L.A. Chargers, mm-hmm. first year in Los Angeles. This is my backyard. Yeah. This is a shot for me to sure show what I'm made of. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm, I'm just going to kind of take our listeners into this DB's room. You got Coach Milas there, right? Mm-hmm. You have a guy like Jaleel Adai, who was undrafted. Um, a guy like Adrian Phillips, who, who's been a leader. Casey Hayward, Jason Verrett's in that mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. Trevor Williams, another undrafted guy. So, so you're in a situation where – not only do you have guys that are kind of similar, similar, yeah. you know, Dez, yeah. Dez is another guy, fifth round pick, but they have a, a similar path. But you also have guys who are older, been there, done that, have gotten a Pro Bowl. So it, it seems like it's a great fit. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Um, it's a mixture. Yeah, a mixture. I mean, but that's what. I mean, I think I think we mix. I mix them pretty well with those with those people. Did anybody tell you, hey, Michael? You know, wide receiver. Why don't you think about going going back to wide receiver to play in the league? No, no one came up to me that. Yeah. No, no one asked me that. It's all DBs. It's all DBs, yeah. Because, I mean, I played junior and senior as a DB, so like, there would be no reason for me to go back to receiver because I haven't played in, in a while. Yeah. Know? So, defense, your first year, Coach Miles, Gus Bradley, Coach Lynn. Coach Lynn comes in, and he's he's setting a new culture. Mm-hmm. Um, is your head spinning at this point, being in the NFL? I thought it would be. But coming to an environment with all those coaches, especially uh, Coach Lynn, he reminds me of Bronco Menno, very strict, very to everything by the book. So I was kind of felt like, I mean, I can kind of go into the system now. Yeah, structured. Yeah, very structured. Um, doesn't let anything slide by. Um, very, I just feel like it's very family oriented. I just feel like as as everybody in the whole team, we all, everybody knows each other. Everybody hangs out with each other at some point. Yeah. I mean, so I feel like everybody's kind of close in that sense. Yeah, Co- Coach Miles was telling me how you guys, like on Thursdays, you guys cater food in. Yeah, we do. You yeah. watch film together. Everybody somebody will chip that. in. Yeah, DBs, linebackers do that, linemen do that. All the position yeah. groups, huh? Yeah. How important is it for you guys to be as close off the field as you are on it, especially in a secondary group? I think it's important because – because then you get to really analyze well you get to really see who you're playing with out there yeah how like how they are off the field it really impact you how you how you play with each other on on the field that's interesting like, yeah 
Like I'm closer on I think on a DB group I'm closer to actually Ray and or well, on defense Ray, Ray Sean or yeah. JB. I mean so I hang with Ray and JB so I know how they are. Jatavis Brown. Yeah, Jatavis Brown. Yeah. So I just feel like I just I'm closer to them so I know that on the field I'll do anything I can for them. Mm. Not saying I won't do anything else for for the DBs but I know for sure like uh I don't know. He just yeah. No, I, I get it. It's like a, it's like a weird connection there. He's like a connective. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And, and Rayshon has been—he's been a beast on special teams yeah, this yeah, year. And, and he came in the same year as you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all did. Me, him, and Des. <laughs> what can you say about confidence when it comes to being a cornerback? I think there's a lot of attributes a corner needs to possess. Where would you put confidence in? You know, if if we had like a, a big piece of pie, and you're like, all right, agility. <laughs> Confidence, speed, ball skills. Like, where is confidence? Number one, 80%, 80, 85%. Um, as you can tell, like, last year, I didn't have too much confidence last year. So when they would target me, I'd feel like, oh, crap, I'm pressure. Like, why are they targeting me? Like, maybe I don't maybe I don't fit in this league. Maybe I'm not, I don't know, maybe I'm not the right man for this position. Mm. But then just now, like, just going back to him, it's like, you mean, like, I know I can play with these boys. So it doesn't matter. They try to target me. It doesn't matter. All the pressure I feel like I'm able to go and just play and perform at the high level when did that confidence start to strengthen for you when when coach milo Miles, mm-hmm. and bradley would put me in certain situations during practice and also in the game as well make you uncomfortable yeah right um guys always uh stress is like you gotta be you gotta, you gotta be comfortable being uncomfortable i like that I mean, and I've grown that and I like that. So trying to be comfortable in, in uncomfortable positions that's why I guess these practices I guess then you make them so hard that the games easy. seem easy, right? Yeah. It's funny that Gus said that today in practice. Oh, did he really? Yeah, it's funny he said that in practice today. That's wild. Yeah. But but it's true, though, right? It's I mean, true. Is that, is that what you guys try to do is just you try to simulate these practices as their games, but you, you make it harder. You make situations even more difficult. Mm-hmm. So and when you go are, out there, yeah. the preparation's already done. Like that, that hay's in a barn. It's time to just play football. Exactly, yeah. It's true, though. What, what's the biggest piece of advice that you've gotten from Coach Miles and Coach Lynn that you think has helped you along your career in the NFL? Uh, thing Miles tells me every single day is like, Mike, you can play in this league. And um, Coach Lynn, he'll same thing. He'll put my sign like, you know, Michael, like you can play. It's like you're the fastest DB out here. Just, just show that. Hmm. I, I want to go to Baltimore now because you're playing a different. Type of quarterback. I mean, Lamar Jackson's a beast. Mm-hmm. 17 carries a game. He's like a running back right now. They're 4-1. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the biggest challenge in defending a quarterback that's a threat to run? Just keeping him in the pocket and forcing him to throw, not run. Yeah. It's the main thing. I'm not saying his strength is not passing, but his strength is running. Yeah. But also, like, these, like, broken plays, let's say. Like, for mm-hmm. instance, he gets out of the pocket, you think he's going to run. I feel like you have to keep your guy in front of you, huh? Yeah, you got plastered all the time. Especially with a mobile quarterback, same thing with Pat Mahomes. We had to plaster all the time, no matter what. And same thing with Big Bang in Pittsburgh. We had to plaster. Yeah. I mean, you get out the pocket and try to throw, try to make plays. And Wilson, run. too, right? Yeah. Was that your first start with Seattle? Yeah, Russ, yeah, Russ is my first start with Seahawks, yeah. Wow. So, okay, so Russell, I think he had like 41 rushing yards or something. So that's a kind of a, a similar, not, I don't want to say it's a similar offense, but it's a, a similar type of situation in, in terms of preparing for a guy like Lamar Jackson. Mm hmm. All we got to do is just play by assignments. You can do our assignment, be assignment sound, and it'll be a fun game. All right, Mike, you've been more than gracious with your time. I have to get out of uh, of this podcast on this. Uh-huh. The starter jacket. Mm-hmm. The, the white starter jacket that I saw at Arrowhead Stadium that you were wearing. Where did you get it? 
please tell people where you got it and, and where can I get one? <laughs> I got it from Desmond King, so make sure you hit up Desmond King. Okay. In his agency, yeah. Desmond, Desmond's the guy. Yeah, Desmond's the guy. Where did Desmond get it? Do you know? He got it from this one company. I forgot he, he had mentioned it to me, and I forgot the name of the company he had gotten it from, but or the, the guy he, who got it for him. Yeah. But, uh, it was pretty sweet. I was like, damn, Desmond, this is pretty sweet, Jack. And I saw a few in, in lockers. I feel like more than more than one person has asked about them. I think all the DBs have them, and I think the line, I think the old line has them as well. Old line has them. Old line has them. Double XL, huh? Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> big boys. Yeah, but nobody wearing me, so I decided to wear mine. So yeah, Mikey Davis on the Backstage Chargers podcast. Can't thank you enough for your time, my man. Thank you. All right, guys, that'll do it for episode 15 of the Backstage Chargers podcast presented by Toyota. Now this is a brand new podcast, so we need your help to move this up the charts on Apple Podcasts by giving us a rating and review. Please help spread the word. This posts every Tuesday, and then be on the lookout for an all-new Chargers Weekly this Thursday. We'll get you ready for the Saturday night matchup with the Baltimore Ravens. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you back here next week.